Romans chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, I want to minister from a scripture that I'm sure was ministered from this platform before, because it is one of the Baptists' favorite scriptures. That doesn't mean it's bad. I'm just saying it's one of their favorite scriptures. You know, life, there's, a, there's an old saying that life happens while you're making other plans. And that's, you know, you live life long enough, you realize that, you know what, there are circumstances and events that happen, sometimes you feel like they're conspiring against you, sometimes you feel like you've hit the lottery of life, and then there's the in-betweens where it's just kind of the usual flow of life, and life has its ups, its downs, and circumstances, and You know, sometimes we're looking for answers. Why is this happening? We don't see the whole picture. It was Corey Ten Boone, who very fascinatingly and uh, would use a crochet or, uh, is that what they call them? Crochet of of an artist. She She would love to crochet. But if you looked at it from the back, it looks like just a bunch of strings hanging out. But if you look at it from the front, it's a picture. And she said it's very interesting because God is looking down from heaven, making an artwork of your life. As you look up, you only see the strings in the back of it. It doesn't make total sense to you and I. And life has a way of doing that. In the midst of that, we can lose sight of what is the purpose of God. What is his work in your life? And I want to consider this in a sermon I've called All Things. And again, lots of, uh, this is very popular scripture in many many areas, but I want to minister from it this evening. Romans chapter 8, beginning of verse 28, and it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Having, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself, Having given them the right standing with himself, he gave them his glory. I want to think to you firstly of events in life that happen and sometimes they're not always good. Barnes, Albert Barnes wrote of this scripture, all things. He said, all afflictions, all trials, all persecutions, all calamities, which we are exposed to, Though sometimes they may be numerous and continue long, yet they are among the means that God has appointed for our welfare. There's times in life we're going to go through things and life doesn't always make sense. You don't get to know the end from the beginning. You don't get to know how it all plays out and finishes. That's not the way life works. 
If we all knew the end from the beginning, we would, you know, have invested in Apple in 1984, or you would have made some kind of, you know, uh, investment, uh, uh, you know, and had been rich and had all the, uh, whatever. You would have uh, gone and, and realized the next technology would have been, or the next opportunity for business would have been, and you would have grabbed after that. But Paul was a man who had ups and downs. He had great victories. There were times in life where things just went absolutely wonderful. There were times in life where things uh, were going smooth. There were times in life where it was not so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, Paul gives a list of some of the things he went through. He said five times, The Jewish leaders have given me 39 lashes. Three times I've been beaten with rods and once stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift in the sea. I've traveled on many long journeys and faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in cities and in the desert and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and gone often without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And besides all this, I have the daily burden of the concern of my churches upon me. Now, here Paul is talking about uh, just all the things he's gone through. uh, And you know what? This list doesn't compare. Now, how many of you have been whipped 39 times for your testimony of the gospel? He's five times beaten by rods. Blades, chains, and baseball bats. Which is lost again on many people here. But anyway, from Crossing the Switchblade, it was a really good movie back in the day. But anyway. And although I'm not trying to say you don't have issues or problems or conflicts or life changes or whatever... Paul was going through this, and yet even when he was going through this, he said, God is still doing the work. He was still preaching. He was still ministering. He was still trying to reach people. Some people, they face one trial. They get a little headache or a hiccup in the road, and they're ready to backslide. They say, oh, if, if serving God was so good, why are there problems? My children used to listen to a show called Adventures in Odyssey. Some of you grew up with that. And there was one particular one where it got, there was a problem in the church, and the kid was like, I can't believe there's a problem in the church. If it was a real church, there would be no problem. And so they set up what they, what they have in this radio program is in, a, in a, an imagination station where they take you on an adventure. And he took them back to the book of Acts. And they went through all of the issues in the book of Acts. You had, you know, uh, first there was persecution. They were arrested. They were forbidden to preach. Uh, Then they had some political moves by a couple named Ananias and Sapphira who said they were giving one thing but doing a different thing. And they gave their offering and God said, nope, you've done wrong and killed them. 
Then they had the dispute among the widows and the Hellatians and the, and the Jewish women. And oh, these are being treated different. And oh, this isn't fair. And all of this. And so there was that problem. Then Stephen preaches and he's martyred. And then there's persecution and they're scattered everywhere. It's like, yeah, a church. But some people go through one issue and they're ready to give up. Hebrews chapter 12, 3 and 4. Think of all the hostility he, speaking of Jesus, endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives in the struggle against sin. There are issues of failures. People who fail. You go through things that begin to vex people's lives. Paul says, when I came to the city of Troas, he preached and he failed. He didn't take the open door. He didn't go through it. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He was forsaken by all of those who were in Asia Minor. There were all sorts of failures going on around him. And as he's going through these failures and things are backing up, Peter fails the Lord. He has to recommit himself because he's denied knowing Jesus three times. Abraham tells Sarah, say you're my sister. David, major moral failures of adultery and murder. There's conflicts of people, difficulties, dealing with some things that are not easily fixed. Begins to be a vex in life. But our text tells us that God's purpose is to bring your character in line with Him. That's what the purpose is in our text. It says very clearly that God has caused everything to work together for the good, for the people that God, he, he knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son. God wants your character to line up with his character. That's the purpose God has for your life. Why will you go through things? Maybe that's to work some things out. Or in to your life. John says, 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, we are already God's children. But God has not shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. For we do not know what he shall be. Uh, but we, I'm sorry, but we do know that when he will be... Uh, But we do know that we will be like him for when we will see him as he really is. What John is saying, in other words, when we see Christ, we're going to know him because we're going to have the same character as him. We're not going to look like him. He was a Jew. He's probably short, probably had olive skin. I'm a white Irishman who glows in the dark, and if I go to the beach, I have to tell NASA because I'll set the satellites all in array because of the glare from the earth. I'm not going to look like Jesus. He wasn't white like me. 
but I will look like Jesus in character. Because that's what God is trying to form in you. He's trying to form his character inside of you. This is what God really desires to do. He wants to work not only that, but his will. For God knew his people in advance, chose them to be like his son, so that they would be the firstborn, so he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The call of your life is God wants to move in your heart to the place where you're willing to do what he would do. They say in the Vietnam War, there were two kinds of lieutenants. There were the lieutenants who had come up through the ranks, and there were the, there, there were the lieutenants that had come out of school. The lieutenants who had come out of school would order their men to do things that the men knew was suicide, would kill them. And many of those, actually, those kinds of lieutenants went home with not AK-47 rounds through their back, but M-16 rounds. Because the soldiers went, no. But those who had come up through the ranks and say, hey guys, let's do this together, those were the men that their soldiers were willing to die for. Jesus would never ask you to do something he wouldn't do himself. What sacrifice would he ask you to do that he wouldn't do? Let's see. He died for you. And he says, let me bless you. Let me help you. He's not asking you and I, you know, I understand things could change, but the reality is, is that's not what's going to happen. God's plan and purpose is for you and I to take on the character of God that we would do what he asks us to do. The term in the King James is for the purpose of God. That term purpose has to do with God's desire, goal, or aim. You know, when you go out and drive your car, you go with a purpose. Right? You drove to church tonight. You'll drive to work tomorrow. There'll be a purpose. You won't just get in your car and go, hmm, I wonder which way we should go. I wonder, and now there may be times for that. There might be a Friday night where you go, hey, let's just go out driving. Not anymore because gas is so expensive. But there used to be a time where that used to be the thing. When I was in high school, that was a thing. We used to go out and just drive aimlessly. We had nowhere to go and all night to get there. Right? And so we'd just go out and usually ended in trouble. God has a purpose, a goal. That's what it's talking about is that when you get behind the wheel of the car, you're going, I'm going to this grocery store or what at work or wherever you're going. God has a plan and purpose for your life. For those of you who are married, there's a plan and a purpose for you as a couple. God's not going to call the wife one way and the husband the other. It's together. You do a study on couples in the Bible. God calls couples to go together. It wasn't just Abraham. It was Abraham and Sarah. Right? They're couples that they go on and purpose. And you read about a few that did and it never ended well. But for those of you who are single, God has a purpose and that probably involves meeting somebody. 
And that's the will of God. God's plan and purpose. He's going to work things out. Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, despite all these things, we are overwhelmingly victorious through our Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angel nor demon, neither our fears of today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. God's plan and purpose, He wants to take us through. He's going to take us through safely. So our text here is to encourage us. Make room before God. You have to make room for God in your life. It's amazing if you've witnessed to anybody any numbers of people, you'll find people that go, oh, I'm spiritual, I just don't have time for church. Which simply means that I occasionally feel like there's something should be in my life, but I'm not making any room for God. There's no room for God to come in and help me. There's no thought of God moving and bringing me to a place where I'll be better off. Where God could deal with my heart. God wants to move us. And in a confident way, we have to make room. Because it says all things. The good, the bad, sometimes even the ugly. All things. Not just the name of a great movie. It's actually the way most of us have to live life. Can God move in your life in the situation you have now? Well, it's circumstances aren't great. Yeah. But what is God trying to do? You know, people make marriage vows. We all love the better, the richer, and the healthier. But that's not always how life is. There's the timing of God. God's timing of life. God moves in specific times. You know, as we're approaching Easter, and as we had just done the study in our Sunday school on the feasts, God had set this timing up, had introduced the Passover and said, you know, this timing and that Christ dies on the Passover and we know him as the Passover lamb. God is very much into timing. We're not, we want it all, you know, we're the spoiled generation with two-day delivery and, you know, it's now to the point where, you know, we, my wife and I, we order things, Amazon comes and like, I don't even remember what we, because that was two days ago. Right? But there's a reality that you and I need to understand. God moves in timing. 
that when you've been patiently endured, as Hebrews says, is what you need now, patient endurance, what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will, then you will receive the promise and all that he has for you. You can have that promise in your life. What is the glory that will be revealed? Very interesting. The word glory to most people is the thought of shining. It's the thought of larger than life. Right? The glory of God or, you know, the glory of something majestic or huge. But it also has to do with the word dignity. In Colossians chapter 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Some have referred to that verse as the shortest explanation of the Gospels. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of dignity. What is it that God has for your life? In Romans 8, 18, yet what, is, what we suffer now is nothing to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. Nothing. God is taking you somewhere. This involves your character. To change you into the image of His Son. That's what God wants to do more than anything else in your Christianity. God wants to change you into being like Christ. The key phrase in all of this is that term, all things. Or in the New Living Translation, everything. Everything. What does that mean? means God's going to use your boss at work to help change you into the image of Christ. That devil, he might be named Lou himself. But God's going to use that to change you into the image of Christ. God's going to use your personal difficulties when your car breaks down and you've got to trudge through the snow, carry a flat tire over a mile just to get it fixed. God uses those things to change you into the image of Christ. God can even change a marital conflict. Jim and Karen Evans run a ministry called Marriage today, it started out of a fight that they both thought was going to end their marriage in divorce. Christian couple. God used that and changed them both. Glorious transformation. Everything. God will use an unrighteous government to change you into the image of Christ. God will use. Everything. There isn't anything that God is going to go, now I can't use that. Now you're on your own there. Everything. He's looking at you at every moment and he's working on your character 
to change you into the image of Christ so that you can have the most dignity that you could ever possibly have in your life. I close with this thought. Being on the Cape and thinking about where I had come from is you know, where my wife and I, you know, we had mad dated and all that got saved, grew up in the Lord, such as that. And thinking about what God did. Just the fact that we've, you know, been married as long as we've been married. God blessed us and helped us. Just good things that have happened in our lives. Has it always been good? No. Has it always been prosperous and you've never had any bills to worry about, cars breaking down? No. We're driving a car one time. True story. We're driving it. We're just chatting along. We have no idea. This car drives by us and they're all staring at us in the window. We're like, what's going on? We look out the back window. We've got like a James Bond escape cloud of black smoke behind us. Realize the head is shot. The car is dead. We're in the middle of a highway where we don't speak the language. And many people don't speak English there. And we're just sitting on the side of the road going, well, what are we going to do now? I can tell you, I didn't feel tingly spiritual at that moment. Praise the Lord wasn't the words that were going to roll off my tongue at that moment. But what God used that to do. Learned I could trust him. Did it all work out? Pretty much. The car ended up dying again on another road in another place where they didn't speak much English. And we met a man named Paul Cohen. And my wife called him our little French Jewish angel. And it was kind of an amazing. And he didn't want to hear any of that. But he, you know, helped us out immensely. And, and all the, you know, the adventures. What God can do. All things. All things. Won't always be great. Won't always be good. There have been some tears. There have been some bruises and baffles and failures along the way. But God uses that to change your character. In my life and in yours as well. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment of time. Maybe you're here... This evening, and you're not right with God, not born again, never had Jesus Christ come into your heart, never allowed Him the opportunity to change you and make Himself new to you. Maybe circumstances have conspired against you. Life had conspired against me. My father had died. My mother ended up in the hospital, unrelated to my father's death. And, you know, just my wife went from pretty decent, stable to totally unstable. Till I heard there was a God in heaven that wanted to help me. Wanted to help, cause me to be born again. When I received Jesus into my heart, He changed me and my life became different. Not perfect, different. That's what God wants to do for you.
And maybe you're here, you're not right with God, you're not saved, or you're backslidden. Maybe you hit a bump. You turned away. You should say, you know what, I need to come back to Jesus. I need God to help me. And if that's you this evening, you'd be honest before God. Maybe you'd just slip up your hand and say, pray for me, preacher. I need to get my heart right with God. I'm not saved. I'm backslidden. I need Jesus Christ to forgive my sins. Anyone at all, very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians, there's something remarkable in the thought of everything. Some things we go through and we're wondering, why are we going through this? Why is this happening? Why, you know, why, why? And we're frustrated. Maybe God is using that to get a hold of a character in your, an area of your character. Something in your life that needs to be changed to bring you closer in line to who Jesus is. Joseph, given a dream, glorious dream. My brothers are going to bow to me. He didn't see the slavery. He didn't see the prison. He didn't see the waiting and the development that changed him into the man that his brothers didn't even recognize him. But he was the man he needed to be to save, literally to save the world at that time. God knows what he's doing. Trust him that everything that he's working on your, in, in your behalf to make you a better believer. Let's stand for just a moment. These altars are open. We're going to allow people to find a place to pray. Sing a song. You delivered me from darkness.
Oh, let's give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. All things. That means when we're going through some difficult things, sometimes the prayer should be, God, how are you trying to make me more like Christ like now? Because I don't get it. And that's not an insulting prayer to God. Because there's a lot of things we don't get. And he gets that we don't get him. He's a lot smarter than we are. But if you'll ask him, he'll be faithful to show you. Thank God. Amen. We just want to remind you, we've got service on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Next Sunday, remember, it is Easter. We do have our Easter egg hunt on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Invite someone that needs the Lord. Amen. Let's bar heads. Let's go rejoicing this evening. Nelson, would you seal us in prayer?